1: Minnow provides meaningful screen time and shared experiences for families to help you grow in your faith together. Check them out at podcast.gomeno.com. That's podcastg Dave Barnes may be best known for his successful career as a musician and songwriter or as co-host of the wildly popular podcast, Dadville. But when his work day is done, when the tour bus parks back in Nashville, or when the song is written, or even when it's not, he returns to real life as husband to his amazing wife, Annie, and dad to his three kids. Annie is the beauty and the brains behind this incredible family, holding it all together with lots of wisdom and love.
0: Dave and Annie, we have wanted you on this podcast for so long. I think we mentioned it to you all Two years ago, probably when I ran into yeah. you once.
2: Y'all charge so much, so it took <laughs> us it took us a couple of years just to get the money together. But we're well, thrilled. Thank to be you here. for investing in raising boys and
0: girls. I think even before we knew you, we both considered you friends. Just to have loved y'all and heard about you in the community and different things y'all do. And so we're so excited for you to be here. And we'd love to start with y'all telling us a little bit about your family, maybe.
2: Yeah. Uh, which one? <laughs> uh,
0: Y'all, buckle up for
2: this. (laughs) You know know what you're in store for.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So we have three kids. Our oldest is Ben. He's ten. He's in fourth grade. Our middle is a little girl. Our little joy maker. She's um, her name is Zana. She is almost eight. She's in first grade. I love her name. Zanna, yeah. I've never heard that before. We named her after our moms. My mom is Suzanne, and Dave's mom is Jane. So her name is Susanna Jane. And we wanted to call her Susanna Jane, and about five minutes after she was born, we realized that was just too long. <laughs> so we ended up shortening it. So now Xana is like the perfect little spicy name for this like bundle of joy. We love her. And then our little guy is Sammy. He is five, he'll be six this summer.
2: So. Wow. Yeah. So can we just nap? Is that okay if we just sort of, do y'all Please. have, I assume a part of the podcast, just letting the parents. Just nap Just for like nap. thirty minutes, and then as you need yeah. to, as you yes. need to. That's right. <laughs> you hear so much about, and maybe one of y'all has said this, but you know, like the first whatever season of your parenting, you're physically tired, mm-hmm. and then it transitions into emotionally tired. Yes. And we're right at the cusp where it's transitioning mm-hmm. from one to the other, you know. Mm-hmm. So not quite as tired as we used to be. Still tired, but now it's like brain starting to get yes. a little brain fatigue. Which I know lasts basically the rest of our lives. (laughs) Yes.
1: You two, we talk some about the Enneagram on this podcast. And we know you both know it well. Could you talk some about what you've learned about yourself,
2: both as people and as parents?
0: Just jumping right in. We are
1: get in there.
2: You know, this is a tender topic for Annie because I think like a lot of eights, she is very sensitive to how they are represented. Which Mm. is really fair. I, I do think eights get a rough I mean, I think especially eight women get a really rough go.
0: You know, I love that you're an eight and that we're going to talk about it. Because yeah. when we were talking about the questions and David told me you were an eight,
3: I said, are you sure? Really? Yeah. You know, I love I'm when shocked. people respond that way. <laughs> and actually, most people do. I'm sure. Which I like makes me feel, I feel so happy right now.
1: <laughs> and you need to know that's exactly how we feel that's when someone exa- says, I'd have say never dreamed you were a
2: one. Yes. I feel the I same way. I could do a backflip. Yeah, me I, I too. Don't. I don't get that a lot. Sadly, people are no. like, oh, of course, I knew in seven. But sevens are three. the
3: only number where every where every seven wants to be a seven. <laughs> yes, every seven other indeed. number, I can't That's imagine. Fair. <laughs> yeah. Is that true?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. It you is. like being a seven? Yeah, I mean, wow. it's there are heavy downsides, obviously, but I do think there is truth. When, you know, you do hear like the pros say that, like, it is kind of the one number where we're all kind of like, no, it's pretty great, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's also because we're blind to our own pain, and so we're like, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, <laughs> I'm great all the time. Yeah. Our number combination is a really fun, interesting combo, but I think more better than not, because I think like me being a seven and eight, being an eight, we have a ton of similarities that are super duper helpful. We're both future-oriented. Mm. I mean, all of these have the yin and the yang and the strength right. and the weakness, but- I think one of the pros of both of us is that we're very much like what's coming up, we're moving. One of the things that's really tricky about that is we have a lot of friends in our lives who stay with us or you know, have seasons where they stay in our back house, like a lot of our single friends or younger friends, artists and people like that. And Annie and I have had to learn that we have to be careful sometimes when we give advice because it tends to be simpatico. There's Mm. not really good cop, bad cop. Or because I think our Enneagram numbers have a lot of similarities, we tend to give (laughs) very similar advice. Mm. So it's like there's times where I think people can sit with us and it's almost like getting hit by a fire hose because Uh. it's just so – there's not like I'm one side and then she's another side. Mm, And I mean we do to some degree, but I think the good part of that is we tend to really agree on a lot of things. Like I was actually telling – a friend yesterday, how thankful I am that Annie and I agree on so much spiritual things, parenting, Mm. you know, just life things, career things, whatever. And I think a lot of that has to do with us sort of, our our numbers in some way of like, we tend to like movement, we tend to like going, doing, you know, there's not a lot, which (laughs) is obviously, there's a negative side of it. There's not a lot of like sit and Mm. really think. And it's like, it's all about action. And Mm. so I think... For better worse, with our sweet kids, they just get a copious amount of sort of like, okay, well, what are we doing about it? Like, where are we yes. going with it? Like, let's don't sit here for too long. Let's move to the next thing. And I think parenting is really interesting, too, because I think Annie is a really amazing truth teller. I spent a weekend with Richard Rohr years ago, and one of the things that he said, there was only about 10 or 15 of us, and he taught on the Enneagram, which was amazing. Amazing, amazing. Mm. And the rest was tricky, <laughs> but the Enneagram <laughs> was extremely helpful. We were having lunch one of the days and we started talking about that. And he said, well, you know, what are you and your wife? And I told him, and of course he was like, of course you're seven. He's like, look at the wrinkle lines on your eyes, which I was like, wow. isn't it fascinating? Someone that knows it that well yes. physically wow. can tell like wow. how you stand or how you talk or wow. the way you're, you know, whatever. But Ugh, he that is not his, good
0: news for either of our wrinkles. Is one. I, I mean, yeah, all yeah, kinds yeah. Of consternation faces. Yeah, yeah, J- judgy wrinkles. <laughs> yes. um, mm-hmm.
2: No, oh, It's David <laughs> nuts <laughs> Yeah. But I think he said something that was so wonderful to hear. He said, "You know, his mom was an eight, and I think about this so much. He's like, it really is one of the greatest gifts to a kid that a parent is an eight because the kid always knows the orientation. Mm. Yes. Like this is always the truth." Like, mom, do I look good in this? I don't really love that dress. Okay. Like, hey, should we do this? No, you shouldn't do it. Like, or, And I thought, what a great way to think about that is Mm -hmm. that our kids have this huge gift with Annie where I cannot be quite as truthful. Or, you know, I'm just a little more concerned with like, oh, is this going to hurt feelings? Or how can I say this in the kindest way? Where Annie is much more concerned with the truth being known and understood. And so it's really interesting watching our kids because I've seen that to be true. Like, Sure, there are times where something may come off a little sharp, but most of the time, one, they are oriented to that's how she communicates already. Mm -hmm. And you can see that. Like, Mm -hmm. I think if they weren't, they'd be a little more gobsmacked or whatever, but you can see that they're like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. That's how Annie – that's how she cares for them is Mm -hmm. to say, hey, this is the truth. And I just thought that was such a beautiful way to think about that. It's like – An eight parent, I'd say maybe even especially a mom, is such an interesting thing because I think the kids can always go to her and go, you're always going to tell me the truth. So I never have to wonder, God, as you walk into school, like, mom said I look pretty, but I just don't. It's going to be like, no, like, I think this is the truth, you know. Mm. So I think that's a real gift that Annie and her Mm. personality type brings to kids, which is really helpful because I think I can be – A little more like, oh, should we kid glove this a little more or whatever? Which I think is a good combo, but...
0: I would think, too, they have a real sense that you're for them. Yes. I mean, I think they would never question that you are for them. That's
2: right. That's really well said. Yeah,
0: Yeah. well...
1: I don't know that I've ever said this to you or not, but my Enneagram teacher once said that no one has the capacity to make kids feel safe in this world the way an eight-parent could. Wow. Wow. And I remember... Listening to that and thinking about who I know you to be, like mm. no one has the capacity to make him feel that safe or that loved yeah. out of that strength. And wow. I'm thinking, when you said the word combo, I'm thinking about the amount of strength and love
2: and joy mm. and enjoyment you two bring. Like yes. I think, yes.
1: what a gift to that your children.
2: Gift. Yeah. That well, you know, all bring too, all I think that. one of the things that is so fun about our wings because we share each other's wings. Yeah. Her wing is a nine. We don't share that one. So <laughs> obviously, our communication is great. Um, and just how well we know each other, you can see, is really paramount. No, but one of the things that I think is really fun about Annie is she has such a strong pull toward adventure.
4: Mm. You
2: know, that's that seven part of her mm-hmm. that's like, let's go and do and have fun and experience life and really live big and go do, which I enjoy too. It's funny because. I think she enjoys that more than I do, which you wouldn't think is the truth, but it is. So there's just all these really fun ways that we complement each other, mm. I think, more than we don't, which I'm really thankful for. I mean, obviously, there's an eight part of me that gets scrappy and can get scrappy with her because she's kind of already got that bend. But it is cool. I think it's better than not. You know, I mm. think it could, it could have problem parts that obviously we have to navigate through, but I think they're very much smaller than the things that tend to really work well. You know what I mean? Uh, But it is powerful. It's like a lot of gas in that tank (laughs) for the combo. I think we've had to really learn, I think, over our marriage how, especially when we are in agreement on something, it is a freight train. Like we are very convinced and we go very strong toward whatever that is, which can be wonderful. But I think, you know, there's times when you (laughs) realize there's some gentility that sort of (laughs) has to be applied. To y'all's point, I think the thing about Annie that's so great with our kids is it's amazing. And y'all have probably seen this in other eights too, but her ability to just sort of take on, which is really tricky too. She just has an ability to kind of do and take on that's pretty super human, yes. you know, where it's like, she's just kind of like, yeah, I can make that happen. I can do that too. We can, yes. and you know, obviously she has to be careful of that, but for kids, it's really astounding like mm-hmm. how much she's sort of like, no, we can do that. And that's sort of always pulling me, where I'm very much like, let's guard our time, and let's really be careful with what we commit to. She's sort of like, no, nah, we can do it. And I'm always like, mm, you can do it. <laughs> you know, like, I'm much more careful about those things. But it's something I think is we've parented now for 10 years. I told her this last night. I probably have the most respect for her about. It's like, she's just so up for whatever she feels like will help or like, she's got a really strong... Her two thing is really, really... I don't know if y'all have gotten into the stack yes. stuff yet, but, like, her two stacked I mean, it is pushing that eight real hard. And so it's really fun to see her as a parent for as firm as she can be. She's also extremely, like, helpful. Yes. And to your point, like, what do you need me to do? I'll do it. Like, Ben, what do we got to do? I'll go do that. Like, Sam, you need me to... Well, I'll do it. That's not a gift of mine. <laughs> I'm a little too self-aware for those things. So... And she really does pull me that way and sort of helps challenge me to kind of like step into spaces that I'm not super comfortable doing that she's sort of like Teflon for. You know, she's just kind of like, oh, we're good. You know, it's really, it's admirable.
3: One of the ways it's helped me so much, the Enneagram, is it's like giving me so much Mm self-awareness that otherwise I wouldn't have. I'm more aware, not just because of what Dave communicates back to me, but just reading it on my own, learning that my sort of style of communication can sometimes be twisted, you know, and the way that I'm thinking about it doesn't necessarily come out the way that I'm wanting it to. And so I think it's really helped me, and Dave is so good about this, continuing to ask her kids, like, are we okay? Or is there something I can be doing better? Like kind of those check-ins. But it's helped us create this conversation around, what our intentions are, and if we hurt our feelings. Like, just the other day, I was sitting in the kitchen. I didn't even tell you this. And Ben asked if he could get some food, like yogurt or a bar or something. And it was after we'd eaten dinner. And, like, that's one of the things that just drives me nuts. <laughs> like, we just ate dinner, Yeah. you know? Yeah. So I'm, like, like really <laughs> frustrated. And he was asking for, you know, yogurt or something. And I was, like, Ugh, definitely, like, just not happy about it. And sweet Ben, he got the yogurt, and then he came up to me a few minutes later, and he was like, hey, I could tell that you get really frustrated sometimes when I ask you if I can have food. Wow. Is that because you—and he was just in a genuinely kind, Mm. sweet place. Like, is that because you don't want me to eat more food, or is that because—and he just kind of laid out all these options. And it was so humbling, first of all. But secondly, the fact that he feels the freedom— Because of the way we've set up, hopefully, this open dialogue, that he can come to me and be like, I noticed this about you. So, will you explain where that's coming from? And do you want me to not ask you? Would you rather me just go get my own food and not ask you? But, like those conversations of like, you know what, buddy, that is on me. I'm sorry that I got frustrated. This is why, you know, and you can always have food if you're hungry. You can have food, you know? I
2: I think, too, that's such a gift of your personality type, too. And I know we've already said this, but I think Ben knows exactly how you feel in that moment. Mm -hmm. There's no, like, why did mom go outside and she's pacing in the front yard, like, staring Mm -hmm. at the house? It's like, oh, no, I could tell you're mad immediately. Like, your face changed. You looked at me. You made a noise. And that's kind of another gift of, I think, the eight is you're never, like, that is one of the best gifts to me as her husband is I'm never, ever. Like, I wonder if she's upset. (laughs) and I have friends who really struggle with that with their wives because they have to sort of plumb the depths of their heart to kind of get to what's going on. And by the grace of God, I'm a terrible spelunker. (laughs) So it's such a gift that I can sort of just go, okay, you're mad. Let's talk about why you're mad. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a gift to the kids because like Ben could go like, oh, you immediately got angry. And I think that's another good thing of that is that there's no sort of like, mom seems a little... It's just right there. Or it's not. It's completely not, which is really great. It's either like, wow, she is feeling something or she's not, and she's normal. There's no like, oh, I'm having to read this situation. Or, you know, one of the kids can to be like, hey, is mom – is everything – it's like, no, you know, so let's deal with it, which is just (laughs) the easier thing to do.
0: What a gift that you all have created, an environment where one of your kids could come to either of you. I mean, that's amazing. That he would feel the freedom to do that, number one. That he would have the words to do it, number two. That has so much to do with we who are y'all are. We are
2: really good parents. So <laughs> I wondered when right. y'all were going to ask us to come on, because I assume this is the season finale, or maybe the end of the whole podcast. That's a real compliment.
4: <laughs> I mean that, Dave.
2: <laughs> Annie literally said, when we got the invitation, she's like, is, it, is this for real? Like, what are we going to talk about? I was like, I don't know. No, I can tell them what other really, people that's say. That's
0: so unusual. And... I think that's only going to benefit the rest of his life relationships. I feel like eights can be the most intimidating mm. personality. We can be two, ones Ones can be two. But I think for him to learn that he has someone in his life with that kind of strength and he can still go to them and say that, Yeah, I think— that will carry with him forever, too, because he won't shrink back from someone who has a lot of strength, and he'll feel like he can yeah, say something great. trusting that they're for him mm-hmm.
4: that's because great. that's
0: who you've been and what you've taught him. Mm-hmm. So
3: I love that. Thanks. I know. Yes. It's like a constant battle to be vulnerable in the midst of that strength mm-hmm. and like apologize. I feel like that's I'm constantly trying to humble myself
2: just but to balance out. But you do such a out. good job of that, though, babe. You do.
1: This is such evidence of why we love this tool, why we use it a lot in our practice, and how I think it changes the game for couples and for parents. I mean, you are such evidence of that, that you are allowing that tool to teach you things about yourselves and the way you interact with each other in the world that, as Sissy said, your kids get to grow
2: up in the safety of that. So It is really hard not to swallow the pill of like diagnosing your kids, though. One of us would be like, we're like, don't do it. And I'm like, I oh, know, but he just said this the other day. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, don't do it. Just let them grow up. And then yeah. at some point, I'm sure it'll become more obvious later, but not now. We're going to let them bloom, mm-hmm. you know, into who they are. <laughs> but that is, that is one of the things that's really tricky about mm-hmm. that personality typing. You know, it's like, sure. you know, oh, he really he wants to make his bed up every morning.
4: He's a one. <laughs> <laughs> classic one,
2: you know, or whatever. It is, you know? <laughs> so good. Yes.
0: So the first time I met you, we sat down, which even that says so much about you, Annie, that you scheduled a time to come meet with me, us never having met just to talk about this group of girls you were working with and wanting to figure out how to love them best, how to equip them with where they were. I mean, I just have always respected you. Oh,
3: thanks, Sissy. Yes, well, I really mean <laughs> it.
0: And we talk so much about the importance of other voices in kids' lives, which you have certainly done through that. Why would you say that's important? And what has it been like kind of offering that to those girls? Oh,
3: thanks, Sissy. Honestly, I feel so ill equipped to even like talk about that because I honestly just feel like God just opened a door and It was something years and years ago that seemed like something I could do. So I just stepped into this place, which is exactly why I ended up in your office. And I've never felt like I was very good at it. It was just more about showing up, you know. I never really knew the right things to say. I still don't. I don't have, like, all these profound thoughts or teaching skills or anything like that. It was just mainly that I opened my door Mm and— I made a space in my life and in my time for these girls. And through the years, getting to see them have that place for themselves was really such a privilege. I don't know. I think the culture in the world, especially for young girls, it's just so hard to look for all these places to tell you who you are, to tell you how to compare yourself and who to be, and the gift of having a spot to come every week and learn what Jesus says about you yeah. and the truth of the Word of God in your life is just transform. I mean, it really is yeah. transformative. And I think even in the midst of that, it was so humbling for me to see the benefits of it. And sometimes you don't see that. You know, Mm -hmm, you don't mm -hmm. see that till years later or maybe never. But I found that there are so many voices that are not healthy speaking to these girls. One of the things I learned through the years was to try to hone in on the voices that could speak the truth. I'll never forget, Dave had just gone to this men's group. This was a few years ago. He'd just gone to this men's group. And they did this exercise, which at the time I'd like never heard of. One of the guys leading the group was like, let's take a minute and everyone speak words to this one guy. I think it was like music people that y'all didn't even really know each other very well. But you got to say, this is what I think of you. And this is how you've impacted me from a distance. And he came home that day being like, this was so amazing. Seeing this guy be so blessed by these people that didn't even really know him very well, but they're like speaking to him about how he's impacted them from a distance, Mm. it like hit me. I was like, that's so crazy. Well, then several days later, it's so funny how God works. I ended up on a high school youth retreat, and I was in charge of doing like a small group. For the high school girls at my church. So there were probably like 25, 30 girls in this like camp cabin, all sitting on bunk beds. Yeah. And we were there like later after the talk. And one girl in particular that always was more vulnerable than everybody else just kind of led the time by saying how much she was struggling and having a hard time because she didn't know who she was or she didn't feel like God was really showing up for her or whatever the thing was. And just because of what I'd heard through Dave, it dawned on me, maybe this is a moment here. I was like, you know what, let's try something. Again, this is like 10th through 12th or something girls. And this one particular girl was maybe a junior or something. So she wasn't like close to all these girls. I was like, I'd like for everybody to say what you think about her. What are some things that you have experienced from a distance that you know about her? It threw her for a loop because all wow. these girls are speaking these words of encouragement. We ended up going around, it took like two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't bet. get home till like after midnight, but we went around the room and every single girl, I was like, let's do it for this girl, let's do it for this girl. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away. There's this one particular girl who was adopted. I don't know if she ever had received. Mm. And hearing, she was weeping. I mean, like could not hold it together mm. weeping the whole time people were talking about her.
4: Mm.
3: These are the voices, these voices of the peers in a safe place where we're intentional about encouraging. Those are important voices. Yeah, For these girls to hear what encouragement looks like from each other, I felt like this is a gift I can give them and just be a wallflower in some mm-hmm. ways to see like what God is going to do and how He's going to encourage these girls. And that's beautiful. Yeah, it's just trying to find the voices that are important, that are good, and using those to impact. Because as you know, they probably aren't listening to their moms, right? You know, right? We're praying that especially Zana will have some voices in her life that can point her to the truth about herself and yeah. and about the Lord and what He says about her.
0: As you're saying that, I'm thinking about, I feel like a lot of moms probably felt like, okay, my early 20s were the time to do that. That was when I needed to be helping with a small group of girls. How would I find time now that I have two or three or four kids? Why would you say to do it or what has it created in you doing that every yeah, time?
3: I think definitely start when you're in your 20s. <laughs> Because once you get a pattern, it's easier to keep, That's you know, true. and That's true. if I started now, I think it would be so much harder because mm. your calendar is already full, right? You know what I mean? Whenever my girls graduate, I always say, "College is about you." Mm. so find ways to make it not about you.
4: That's so good. incredible.
3: Go lead a small group or go to a nursing home or go do something that is not about you. Mm -hmm. And that creates like a habit and a pattern in your life to like be giving something that's not about you. Mm -hmm. And I think that the older you get, I don't know, maybe it's harder to find the time to do that. Mm -hmm. I love that.
1: And thinking about your voices in the lives of others, Dave, you have a podcast that we love and encourage parents to listen to regularly. Mm -hmm. Will you talk about why you started Dadville and what you
2: hope parents experience from it? It was really so that Annie could see how wise I was. (laughs) And I felt like if I recorded myself enough, we could cobble together about 30 seconds of wisdom, (laughs) even if we just chopped the words up to make it work.
3: You're so wise, Dave.
2: Oh, there it is. Okay, the (laughs) podcast is done, everybody. It's been a good run. No, I'd been thinking about getting into that space a little bit because I'd just kind of gotten into podcasts myself. This is probably five years ago, but couldn't figure out what to do. And so this is hysterical. I was at William Morris at the time booked by them, and we met with their podcast woman who oversaw maybe like all of the William Morris kind of clients podcast stuff. It felt like such a sitcom because we sat with her and she's like, all right, let me tell you the spaces that are full. She's like, there's too much music. There's too much whatever, whatever. She's like, what are things you really passionate about? I was like, well, you know, music, obviously, you know, my wife just going to just talk about her all the time. But she, <laughs> no, but then she I said, you know, I love my family. She's like, you know, that's not a space for dads. There's like kind of nobody doing that.
4: Mm.
2: And I was like, really? She's like, yeah. And. I'd had this, this is a much longer story, but I had this idea for a sitcom called Dadville about dads and stuff, which, you know, maybe someday it'll happen. But I was like, oh, what if I did like, and she's like, that's great. That's a really cool idea. And then it was like, and then I was talking to one of my really dear friends, a guy named Seth Philpot, and I was telling Seth, I just don't know if it's something I want to do by myself. That's a little like singular. And he's like, ask John to do it. I was like, that's perfect. Because John and I would sit and talk about this. You know, they live across the street. And so we would spend hours catching up, just talking about kids or dad stuff so that was kind of the impetus and it was hysterical and I'm, I'm sure you all feel this way but you just never know how those things are going to iterate like mm. what's it going to turn into is it going to be like a yuckity because I mean our initial thought was it was really going to be sort of a comedy podcast like let's talk about what do you do in the lawnmower doesn't start or whatever and I think pretty quickly we realized as we had people like you on David it was like oh this has a potential to really be deeply impactful
4: mm. And I
2: think we both kind of were like, we should probably pivot. (laughs) And so I think once we saw that, it really shifted. Really, the bedrock of it is just getting dads on, having fun here in their story, laughing, being ridiculous, but also having moments of poignancy Mm. where you can't talk about kids or even how they grew up and their parents, whatever. It's now sort of shifted into this really fun space where I think we're really trying to celebrate dads, and create a space for a dad to talk about his kids and to Mm -hmm. talk about his family and it be kind of a safe space for that. Because, you know, I think we also realize that you're just never going to see, especially our friends who are in the public sphere, sort of spotlight, the question they never get asked is like, tell us about your kids or what is it like being a dad? Nobody asks that question. Mm. I mean, it's just not a red carpet or... Today's show, question maybe at the toward the end, like, Oh, you got a kid? What tell us about them? Okay, great. All right, that was so and so, you know, but to really give them a space, because I don't know any dad who doesn't want to talk about his kids. Mm. So I think it's been fun to kind of give a little bit of an arena for that with dads. The other part we really enjoy is having experts on, like you, David, where it's like you can really have these moments. I mean, it just feels like a selfish venture. The amount of wisdom that we take on from really? doing this show is just insane. You know, mm-hmm. we'll have conversations just he and I over lunch or something, and it'll be like, "You know, I've been thinking about." it. Remember when David said, this? "Like, mm. you know what I mean?" So it's really cool because <laughs> it sort of feels like this really selfish thing. Really, honestly, I was at the National SC game the other night. We took the kids; it was so much fun. And this guy stops me and is like, "Gosh, such a big fan! Can we get a picture, sure." And as he leaves, he doesn't say like "I love your music." He says, "Man, Dadville's the best." Oh, <laughs> I was wow! Like, that's so great. I also have music though, but um, <laughs> but you know that that happens a lot. Like John and I have gotten into a habit where we'll kind of text each other little encouragements. You just never know with those kind of things if it's resonating or whatever. But yeah, it's just been such a tremendous source of joy, and mm. I also get excited that someday our kids can listen to it. Mm. You know, I think that's one of the gifts in the long term that. Our kids if they ever get curious and go like, I wonder what dad thought about these things or mm. thinks about these things that there's copious amounts of <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. airtime for them to listen and hear. So I mean, it's great. And you know, I was gonna say too, retrospectively, like we had Kurt Thompson on who, you know, is just man genius mm. and he talked about how our brains are literally wired for community, but mm. especially in the way of someone telling us who we are. Like mm. people speaking truth. Like there are neurological events happening when that happens. Your mm. brain shifts when you have someone look at you and go like, "Hey, you're a great mm. dad. You're great." And it's like it absorbs it because it needs to, and it shifts because it needs to, because it just solidifies who we are. And so I think just learning those kind of things, you're like. Wow. That's the other thing, too, John and I laugh probably the most about like When would we ever get to sit and have these conversations except for this podcast? That's what makes it especially fun is you're like, yeah, just never sit and talk about these things. Or I'd never meet half of the people if we weren't doing it. So it's really cool. It's been a huge source of joy and wisdom, truthfully, maybe as much as anything.
1: The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Did you know that Minnow has an award-winning children's Bible? Written by VeggieTales creator Phil Vischer, the Minnow Laugh and Grow Bible for Kids is more than a children's Bible storybook. It's a deep, engaging, and whimsical gospel experience. Each Bible story is vividly illustrated, takes just minutes to read, and includes a family connection to encourage readers to learn, talk, and pray together. Find out more at shop.gomenno.com. That's shop.
0: This season of our podcast is called Modern Parents, Vintage Values. We've been talking a lot about kids and where they struggle, obviously. What would y'all say is a vintage value that you think kids struggle with today and how can we help them get to it?
2: This has to be the most common answer, but I think screen time and like how, I mean, Annie and I literally talked about this last night as we were going to bed. Our kids just really aren't on screens as far as, like, iPads, computers, and phones and stuff. And, you know, yeah, slowly know. but surely, like, obviously TV, like, they watch shows and stuff. But we just sort of drew a hard line on it, and thankfully they've acquiesced, which has been it. But now, awesome. as Ben comes home as a 10-year-old, is like, um, my friends that get screen time. We're like, hmm. <laughs> Want some pizza? You know, like how can we avoid? <laughs> so, you know, Annie brought that up last night. Literally just like, hey, we got to sort of figure out a little better of a groove. I think for me, that's something that is a really interesting mm-hmm. thing to have to figure out now that we didn't have to figure out. And especially growing up in, you know, both of us grew up in Mississippi, but I grew up in the middle of nowhere Mississippi. So, I mean, it was like you just got on your bike and you, we'll see it at lunch, you know, mm-hmm. and, or your skateboard or whatever. There was no option for this other thing. I mean, I remember, golly. I would get up in the morning, I remember like in the summer especially, you know, it'd be like, mom, can I watch Reading Rainbow this morning? And she's like, and that's it. And I'd be like, (laughs) oh, God. And it was just like sitting there like, oh, my God, here we go, here we go, Reading Rainbow. Like I have a neurological response to that song. Like there's a Pavlovian thing that happens when that song comes on. Like I just immediately, because it was just like you can have your one show and then you're like go outside or go draw or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know. So I think that is sort of one of the things that is the trickiest to me. That wasn't something we had to sort of yeah. navigate. And again, like Annie said last night, she's like, it's not that it's all bad. I'm like you got to have this like zero tolerance policy for it. But I do think it scares me more than I get like excited about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have a thought?
3: I think that our kids these days don't value as much the older generations. Mm. I remember growing up and like going to nursing homes and singing Christmas carols at Christmas time or yes. doing things that involved different generations and different socioeconomic. That's one thing that I am trying in our our little family to really get us outside of this bubble. It seems to me, and maybe I'm just on the front end of it and maybe it's not this way, but it seems to me that our culture is so much more about ourselves. Mm. As our kids get older, it seems like there's more pressure on the parents. We have to be more intentional to get them outside of their own little space and their own peers and their own bubbles. And I know that's on every parent everywhere, but I want my kids to appreciate old people and people that don't look like them and there's not as many opportunities, it doesn't seem like, Mm. to really introduce that or make that something that they're used to.
2: Do you want to shower up? It's such a cool organization, Mm -hmm. but classic Annie. <laughs> did you meet him or how did you?
3: I think on Instagram, yeah.
2: But so they have these mobile showers for homeless people mm. and they go down every Tuesday night.
3: It's uh, every day of the week. Oh, that's right. During the, wow. when it gets warm. Mm-hmm. That's right.
2: People love in Nashville, the is. It's everything you know it's going to be. You take your kids and you're like, you know the script. Mm. They're going to hate being here. About five minutes in, they take some ownership and then they're like, that was pretty cool. Mm. You know, because they have a role like Each of them, immediately, you walk up and the guy's like, all right, Ben, will you help with towels? You know, Sam, will you help me clean the things? Anna, will you get all the, like, socks and underwear out on the table? Mm. And you just see them. Annie has such a great bend for that stuff. Like, she has always got an eye on those things, but Mm. I think that's so true. Y'all know this better anyway. There is such a push in our society in 2022 to self and let's get me figured out and my thing. And I got to get my thing figured out and then I can go out into the world. But God, how am I doing today? Mm-hmm. I don't want... If there's anything that I've learned in my Christian walk, it is that maybe one of the top three things that God is just pounding into my brain is how much we are not just spiritually, but physically, neurologically made for community. Mm-hmm. We are made to be with other people. God never meant us to be alone. Solitude is different, but... We are meant to be in a body of people all the time. We are communal beings. And I think that is something that's really hard about what is happening in culture today is everything is so singular and it's pushing so hard toward self and self-realization and being true to yourself and self and self and self. And there's a good part of that. But I think the macro vision is like, but then we turn around and we go right back toward people. We Mm -hmm. go right back toward people. We go back toward people, people. go back toward people. There's probably never been an easier time maybe in society to just do your own thing and be celebrated for that. But I think what God is saying is like, no, 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 no. That's not the plan here. Like, let's move back to our people. Because and I think that's where what Kurt said is so powerful is that's what we're physically made. Like, that is how we are wired to be. Mm. We are wired to be together. We're wired to be with people. And for as much as we think we're going to realize on our own, so much more of that is meant to be done in a, in a group, you know? a collection of people that give you that identity to help tell you who you are, reinforce those things, or challenge you to get out of who you think you are to be the person God made you to be or whatever it is. That's the end of my TED Talk. Thank you. (laughs)
1: Okay, you know what I want to point out? As you all were saying that, like I'm going to circle back real quick to the Enneagram because you just lived out another great example of the strengths of your numbers. Like I love when you told that story and you said, we know the script. They won't want to do it. We'll get there 10 minutes in. And I think for both of you, when you're talking about being doing dominant and that you go forward, I love that about working with parents in that space mm-hmm. as opposed to I challenge parents, ones, twos, and sixes listening and the dependent saints are like, oh, they're not gonna wanna do it. It'll be so hard. Mm-hmm. They're so oriented to how other people are gonna perceive it. Whereas you all are like, I hear you grumbling, hop in the car, we're heading. And that is such a gift of your numbers, you all. And where parents who are in other numbers are going to have to work harder to push through the grumbling and go because you wisely know this is going to be an amazing experience for our kids and for our
2: family. So that is more Annie's skill set than mine. I love I can, that. I can lean pretty hard on like this could be a nightmare. Yes, and she's like Dave's a the, grumbler. There's the strength part. <laughs> yeah, you have
1: to drag him too sometimes. I yeah, I, yeah, that's the truth. It's the truth. <laughs> okay, let's keep it in the old school for a minute. You were talking about a favorite show. Any other
2: favorite shows or books or music that you love growing up? Oh my gosh. This is where my seven thing just, like, I just start to hum and glow. I have such fond memories of driving to Jackson where Annie grew up that we didn't know each other at the time and, like, going to movies because it was just, like, such a rarity. It was such a treat. Like, oh, man, it was almost like a holy experience going to get the popcorn. I was like, oh, my God, here we go. This is gonna be watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, Batman, <laughs> whatever movie was going at the time. Mine was a weird existence because growing up in the middle of nowhere, that entertainment was just, again... The script for this it's so funny because you talk about sevens and one of the things they say about sevens is one of the things that starts the arc for you being one is you are under entertained. Your access to things that can entertain you is low so you sort of turn that Your that's who you become. It's like I have to entertain myself and become and if you look at my story I mean it is so obvious. I mean 8,000 people in this tiny Mississippi town like there was just no ways music was a huge part like mom and dad loved music and always had music on so that's even at a um, osmotic level, it was just always happening. And books, I mean, obviously, you know, we had libraries. <laughs> it wasn't like we had to go to some place in the woods and ask some lady and mow her you And she'd be like, here's a book for the week, you know. Um, but, you know, growing up in the middle of nowhere, you just didn't really have access to those kind of things. Obviously, we had TV, but you couldn't even get MTV or Nickelodeon or those things because it just wasn't an option back then. So for us, it was a lot more like outside and running around. but. I loved music. Mom and Dad loved music. TV shows really weren't a thing for us. That was just not a part of our life. Like, although, which is funny, Saturday Night Live was, which is weird to think about. Mm. And boy, does that tell you some <laughs> things. But like, we weren't a family that did like, let's all go watch our show at night. Or
3: we did that. Yeah. We did like Little House on the Prairie yeah. and like yeah. Anne of Evanley. and yeah. we had like shows that we watched together as a family.
2: And y'all, music with the McGees was like a lot of. Very like
3: Instrumental Yeah, very age. calming Yeah
2: Like pastoral Yeah
3: When I think about my high school years The one source of media that stands out You're going to so laugh at this Is I played basketball growing up
2: And he played everything growing up And
3: my like best girlfriends and We all played together We got obsessed with um, <laughs> <I love laughs> this, this documentary of the like <laughs> 1998 or I don't know what it was Ut women's basketball. Uh, this documentary oh. of their whole like season and review. They won the national championship. <laughs> we watched that thing to the point where all of me and my friends could quote the girls' lines. It was mm-hmm. like Mary Chapin Carpenter was in the background with the video. Which like, who we put
2: that together, by the way. <laughs> Let's don't get like Bon Jovi. Let's get like Mary Chapin Carpenter for the pump up music. <laughs> Passionate kissing. <laughs> no,
3: sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes oh, you're the bug. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's that's like the one thing that stands out the most. So watching that over and over and over again.
2: Doesn't it speak to what y'all are kind of maybe you don't mean to infer with that question, but my access to those things was so limited.
4: Yes. And
2: yeah. even with Annie living in metropolitan air quotes Jackson. It was just limited. Like, you couldn't kind of entertain yourself. You kind of had to go figure something out. Mm -hmm. I had Bible study with my guy friends this morning, and one of the dads said this. We all dread summer with our kids. And it's not that we didn't do this as kids. I want to be really clear. I did this to my parents. But let's just keep a count for how many times our kids come in and go like, Dad, I'm bored. And it's like, if you want to see Annie and I get triggered... Like little Mississippi kids with nothing to do. I'm like, you think you were bored? You know, it's like, I mean, it just, man, it like calls the fire out in me. I'm like, we bought you 9,000 toys. you got an Xbox. You know, they're like, okay, let's go back outside. And they sort of slowly walk back.
0: Out. <laughs> reverse, reverse.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right.
0: Well, that kind of pertains to the question I was going to ask. What was true about life back then that you still wish was true today? And that may be mm. part of your answer, Dave. But
2: yeah. The- Parents are a great perspective. Like, I'll talk to my parents, and I'll go, man, and they're just like, uh-oh. <laughs> Is that how you felt? That's so good. <laughs> they're kind of a nice truth serum to that a little bit, because I feel like I can definitely romanticize parts of that where it was like, eh, maybe it was, you know, you were bored a lot too, or like, we you know, you drove us crazy, where I'm like, no, I was on my bike having adventures. They're like, well, maybe not. You're asking for pudding pops nine times a day. Um, <laughs> But <laughs> or pop, they still or fla- make those flavor pops? ice. I don't know. How I about flavor that. ice, though? Can we flavor get a shout out of flavor yes. ice and those popsicles? Yes. One thing
3: I lament a lot and am really sad about is how much pressure there is yeah. on high school kids these days. And mm-hmm. I just wish we could raise that ceiling again. Because I feel like when I was in—and maybe it was just a different place that I lived. I don't know. But it just yeah. seems like the amount of pressure yes. that is on these kids— And some of it's self-inflicted, some of it's Mm. from academics, whatever. It's just debilitating. And that makes me so sad for them just Mm. to like, I don't know, it just feels like it's stealing their joy and their enjoyment of life and just their childhood in a lot of ways. And that makes me sad. I think about that a lot. Mm -hmm.
2: You know, two things. One, I've basically gotten off Instagram. I still check DMs and I'll post things, but I don't scroll anymore. Or check stories. That's been four months now. I always give it up for Lynn every year. And I'm always like, God, I've just never been so clear brained. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I finally, this year, was like, I'm not I just gonna do this anymore. And I mean, y'all know this. There are physical changes. Like, in my, I can feel it. It's like getting off a drug. Mm. So, one, I think that resonates even as a 43 year old man. I'm like, this isn't native to just kids. Like, this is a very real struggle for me. And I think what I always take away from that is I'm not supposed to know everything about everybody. That Mm. was never a plan in in God's great economy. He was, you take care of your one line of plants that like you got your little thing you're going on, take care of that. I'll take care of the Mm. rest. And I think it does deceive us into being a little godlike. you know, Mm. like we need to know everything about everybody. And what's everybody doing? That informs how I feel about myself. And I think that's a bunch of hogwash. And I think we should just nuke social media. That's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. That said, (laughs) hearkening back a couple of questions ago to your point, Sissy, like, Annie had done all these Bible studies with these girls. High school girls, she'd be with them for a couple of years at the Covenant where you go to church and then, you know, they graduate and then she'd say, I'm done with that. And then somebody would come to her and go, you do these and you do them great. And she's like, I'm back in. (laughs) And I'll never forget, like, they were always really consistent. Like I'd always say, "Had to go tonight? And she'd be like, you know, for those first really three, which started probably 10 years ago, maybe, it was always so consistent, like, oh, it's boy stuff or... You know, some of the girls are struggling with this or that. And it wasn't that it was light, but it was without a significant weight. You know, and we talk and we go to sleep. I'll never forget that last one she did. And it's why she called you, sissy. Like two or three in, she walked upstairs and she's like, I don't think I can do this. This is above my pay grade. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, this isn't boys and maybe some food stuff or image. This is like... Really disturbing, mm. scary things. This is not what I was trained to do, and that's why she called you. And mm-hmm. so I think you see how much
0: things have changed. They
2: have. I mean, obviously, y'all at the front lines that, but gosh, they have changed. And I think just watching any walk and struggle through that, I was like, mm-hmm. man, even in two to three years, yeah, it's so tricky. You know,
1: you all along those lines. We've never seen parents as weary as in this season. Mm. What would you want to say? to other parents who are experiencing weariness or hopelessness in this season?
3: My first thought is community. I think having somebody to bounce it off is helpful, but I think what we were kind of talking about, just finding other voices for your kids is so valuable because they're not going to listen to you probably. I don't know. Y'all know that better than me, but Mm -hmm. whether it's like a youth group or a small group somewhere or just to have somebody else that has a voice and figure out what's important to the kids, what voices are important to them. Like I remember one time we had a group of girls, a couple of them were like so concerned that they'd never kissed a boy. And it was really something that at first it was funny and then it became something I was like, this is like a thing, they're really concerned about this. And at the time I had a really good friend who was in a small group with some Vanderbilt baseball players. So I set us up to go mm. to Vanderbilt's campus and sit with these Vanderbilt boys. They were in a Bible study, wow. so I knew they loved Jesus or at least pretended <laughs> yeah. to. A, yeah, it could have been dicey. I so <laughs> I asked them to like tell about their right life, and then I specifically said, "What if you met a girl that you liked and she said she had never kissed a boy? Mm. What what would you wow. think about that?" Wow. And I hadn't prepped them or anything, so I'm hoping, like, Lord, you got to take this one. And they said, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's I would feel like privileged that, that they would tell me that. Wow. And I never heard another word ah. ever again about these two girls that were struggling with that.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: I'm like, you know, those are the voices. Like, what voices are important mm-hmm. to them? And how do you figure out where is it that our kids can hear the,
0: mm-hmm. this? We did that at Hopetown one time about modesty. And I remember one of the boys looking at, the girls and saying, as believers, like, we feel like you're on our team. And wow. so when you dress really inappropriately, you just got off my team and wow. you made life so much harder for me. And those girls heard it so much louder because it was a cute boy around their age, you yeah. know? So yes, I love that what about the voices. I know.
2: I'm having to consolidate a lot of thoughts that are not native to me. God knows what he's doing. You were made for a time like this. It was not a mistake that We were born now, and then we have kids that were born when they were born, and then we are fostering and caring and parenting them through these things. So I think that's one, is that God knows what He's doing. I think we can all rest and like we can do this, right? Our pastor, Chad, had a really great word about this the other day, and we were going through Hebrews, and I'm paraphrasing this into oblivion, but basically there's a scripture at the very end of Hebrews where he kind of says, like, parents, discipline your kids as best you can, but ultimately God's got it. And I think there's something really like affirming about that, that like God knows our weaknesses and our shortcomings. That's okay. Like, let's do the best we can, knowing God's going to sweep up the mess. Mm. You know, I think two of my biggest takeaways from having people on the show have been really these two things. One, I think apologizing to our kids, just really leaning into like Annie and I try to do because we (laughs) mess up in copious amounts, but really being, attentive to like that didn't go well. And you know it. Every human knows that feeling. You have an interaction and there's a little thing in your spirit that goes like, yeah, didn't quite stick that way. <laughs> 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 or boy, did we get mad there, didn't we, Dave? And it's and just kind of going, okay, let's take a beat and then go back as soon as we can and make sense to kind of sit down and with that child and go like, hey, I really butchered that. Like I was so angry I didn't mean to get that mad. Like, do you forgive me? Having them say they forgive you, which I think really matters, like voicing that. Quick, funny story. (laughs) Probably one of the sweetest and most humbling moments of my parenting, Ben, our oldest, who was probably seven at the time, playing soccer with his team. Afternoon practice, and the two coaches who I know really well said, hey, bring your cleats if you want to. We'll just do like a little 10-minute end of the game that you and a couple of the dads that are there can get in and play with the boys. Dads, obviously, we're not slide tackling with kids, no slide tackle. So we're playing, and one of my son's best friends comes in, slide tackles me, and hits me immediately. I look down, and there are cleat marks, and my leg is already starting to swell. It hurt as bad as anything I've ever felt in my life. And I get up and shame this kid into the middle of the earth. I mean, I stand up, and I'm like, first of all, I yelled a word that— the Lord doesn't use or is not in the Bible. And, <laughs> uh, and I just said, what are you doing? Like, did you not hear? And I felt bad for him for a lot of reasons. One, because I'm shaming and I'm mad. But two, do you know that thing in a kid where they're like, I've hurt a big person yes," and I don't know what to do with this feeling. Like, mm. one, I can do that. And two, you can feel like that. And whoa, this so there's a lot of things happening in that moment. But I'm just like, did you not hear? And the dads are kind of with me. They run over and, the, and one of them's dad is there and he's like, what are you doing? And, like, and the kid felt terrible. But I mean, he came in hot. I mean, it hurt so bad, and I, I like, had to kind of hobble off the field. It, Uh I mean, swelled up, like, immediately. In, like, two weeks, it just looked like Mm -hmm. it was terrible. Anyway, I felt so bad. I'm standing on the sideline, and I'm like, I could not have handled that worse. And the kid, you know, he's a kid, so he's back up, and he's running around. Well, in God's (laughs) sort of great sense of humor, he's riding with his home. So I'm like, uh, and I can hear Jesus just like, Dave, and I'm like, I know, I know, I know. No, know, I know, I know. So we get back to the car, and I'm like, okay. And he's already just bubbling around, and he's fine. I said, hey, would you come here for a second? And he's kind of looking at me, and he's either like, I'm about to get reamed, or I don't know where this is going. And I kind of get down on my knees and say, hey, bud, I'm like, I'm really sorry. I'm really mad at you, and I said a word I shouldn't have said. I've never seen a child so uncomfortable, because he's kind of looking at me, and he's like, okay. And I said, so— will you forget me? And he's like, yeah, sure. And I was like, no, but like, I should not act like that. And sweet Ben comes over and he puts his hand on his back and he says, hey, it's okay. He does this with me all the time. <laughs> and, I thought, and it was this double emotion oh, wow. in me of like, God, this is embarrassing that like my kid is having to go like, hey, but God, what a gift mm. that my kid is like, this is what my dad does. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still makes me mm. emotional. But... Mm. Mm. I think for me, was this really potent moment of like, isn't it cool that Ben knows that's what we do? Mm. Even now, I'm like, I hope that that carries on. So I do think apologizing to your kids is such a big deal. And I think the other thing that the guy said on that I think about all the time. We were talking about grown kids, and this guy's my age. He was talking about how he's so fascinated by families that have kids that are older that still spend a lot of time together. Like, they bring their families home, and they want to go on family trips. I said, what do you think that is? Like, how do those parents pull that off? Like, what's the magic thing? And he said, you know, it's a fascination of mine, too, Dave. And he said, I ask every single set of parents that do that well. Like, what have you done? Like, what's the magic Mm. sauce? And he said, consistently, almost unanimously, it's some version of them saying, stay interested. Mm. Mm. Just pay attention and Mm -hmm. stay interested. And I thought, isn't that such an so easy good. but beautiful thing to hear? Just like when they're talking to you about something, listen, how was the movie tonight? Or how did the day mm-hmm. go? Or like, tell me more about that. Or, right. And I thought, God, what a, that it's just that simple. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's insanely hard, but so beautiful just, just to stay interested. Just yeah. when they're talking, like, listen mm-hmm. to them. Or when they have something they want to tell you, like, really stop what you're doing and like go, oh. And then ask another question about it, you know. It's like, that's such a good word. And I think these are things that are doable that mm-hmm. hopefully are encouraging. But I know for me, give me like a lot of hope.
4: Because
2: mm. I'm like, if I try hard, I think I can do these things, you know, at least most of the time.
0: So good. Well, I hate to even be at the point where we're talking about wrapping up. But oh, no. for folks who've been listening, where can they find y'all? You mentioned Dadville. Yeah. You, under your breath, mentioned that you did some music. <laughs> <clears throat> you I dabble.
2: Music. <laughs> um. No, yeah. So, Dadville's out there. Follow them out with Lady A, which is fun. I'm opening for them. We're doing a lot of shows around. Uh And then Christmas shows and music, and it's all happening. Always, always evolving. (laughs) Always changing. You too.
1: it has been beyond fun to be with you. Mm -hmm. We couldn't thank you enough for giving us this kind of time. And we love to end with something kind of fun. And if we could share, which we hope we can at some point in the near future, a taco with the two of you,
2: what would that taco be? Now, are we talking store? You can purchase, taco you can lady. buy it. I can answer Amy it can lady Bird, in. Lady Bird,
3: Lady Bird. Well, then mm. you have to be
2: honest though. Don't be cooler than you are. If you could Taco really Bell. There we go. <laughs> I knew it. some Taco Bell.
3: I do. One of my, fa- really? One of my favorite Amy
2: stories ever and all but the time. But if I'm being cool,
3: it's Lady Bird. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> if, Literally, <laughs> of all time, she had gone out with some friends, her girlfriends. John went somewhere nice, like an East, like an East uh, Nashville Cafe something. yeah, yeah, Cafe And they're like, you know, it's her and her girls, and they're having a girls' night, and they're getting, you know, nice drinks and this nice meal. I laughed until I thought I was going to on myself because later that <laughs> night. You know, I'm like, how's it going? She's like, well, you'll love this. And she sends a video of them driving through Taco Bell at like <laughs> 10, 15 p.m. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, this, it wasn't enough food for us. We had to double down. <laughs> uh, I was like, respect, that's girl. so good. I mean, yeah, Ladybird, There's so many great ones in Nashville. Mm. I'm going to stick with Ladybird. Mm. But uh, listen, I got a soft spot for SACCO. Yes. When I was single, my best friend Micah and I lived together. And we knew the staff there. And people, I think, thought we worked there. That's how much we were there. So that's kind of got a sauce, but yeah,
0: of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you should take us out singing Islands in the stream.
2: <laughs> this one, I don't know how many people know this one. This is the only predicated. <laughs> <but a kiddie. laughs> I can just launch
1: in. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow helps you make screen time meaningful for your family, which shows kids love and values parents trust. Check them out at podcast.gomeno.com. That's podcast.gominno.com.
0: It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.